We are just a few weeks away. Welcome, everybody, to another off-season edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle, and joined, as always, by EP Rinkside, Shap Shots, D Magazine. The name of his book, featuring the Texas and Dallas Stars, is We Win Here. My buddy Sean Shapiro and Spits and Suds has been live from the Traverse City Tournament, and Sean is going to break it down for us and tell us what he thinks of some of the prospects of the Dallas Stars. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, man. It's uh, Friday, as I was saying before we went on air. Uh, we're making the debate of whether I'm going to stay up late to watch uh, Coyotes Kings from Australia tonight, whether I'm going to watch it live or watch it early to- or watch a replay to- during the day tomorrow. But uh, actual hockey to watch this weekend. Um and we had some hockey to watch last weekend with Traverse City as well, but more NHL, some NHL preseason. And uh, the Stars started camp yesterday there in Cedar Park. Got a couple things moving there. It's uh, it's it feels it feels like we're back. And not that we left. I feel like we did a really good job of keeping people in tune throughout the summer. Uh, but it uh, feels like we're really back in the saddle right now. So, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I was just looking up to see if there had ever been, and there is. One NHL player from Australia, 1994, uh, Nathan Walker was born. Huh. Yes, he is uh, plays for the Blues, and it's actually uh, I remember that was uh, one of the things that when it came out that uh, when it came out that they were bringing the game to Australia, there was some there was some question people wondering how come you didn't uh, send the team that Nathan Walker plays for, right? That was something. And, and you know, in part, that's a partially fair question. But you also have to remember that Nathan Walker was also, and I want to confirm this real quick, um, Nathan Walker was a, uh, this summer, was a free agent. Was It was a, it was a UFA this summer when he and re-signed with the Blues. So um, you can't uh, make plans around a guy who's a, a UFA. Well, it would have been nice for Nathan Walker yeah. to be playing in that game. Also, it's uh, not fair to anyone to try to, to schedule an event around a guy a UFA who has has the full rights to do to sign wherever he wants and and, and everything like that. So, um, I'm interested to see how this how this setup goes though, Gavin, with because they're they're at Rod Laver Arena, which is that where the Australian Open right. is retractable. Um, retractable um obviously australia is a bit of a it's it's warm it's uh even though this is their winter uh, right now um but it's uh i'm really interested to see how the ice looks to see how it plays out um i think these global series games are great um i'd love to see the i'd love to see the stars do one at some point obviously between the with the with the Finnish contingent and the Yuri Lettinen connection, and obviously with um, Miro Hishkinen and Rope Hintz locked up for a long time, I mean, it feels like a no-brainer to me that at some point you've got to see uh, a Dallas Carolina game or something like yeah. that over in either in either, in either Helsinki or Tampa or Tampa over there. Um, I'd love to see these Global Series games. To me, I love them. I think they're a good thing for the game. I think it's a really nice touch and. Uh, I think for the teams too, it's uh, I think it can be a kind of nice little galvanizing thing too. So, yeah. Uh, and I do so, find it yeah. interesting, Sean, that, you know, when you have your stadium series, you have your winter classics, anytime it's taken 
to another level, meaning a unique, different place or a different arena, I find that the show has to be put on. So I'm interested to see, will the gloves be dropped tonight? How hard will the checking be? Even though it is a preseason game, you know, you're going to have some A players, you know. And so I'm, I'm kind of interested to see because, you know, candidly, some of these preseason games that I've witnessed, it's kind of go through the motions. I'm not saying they don't play hard. But the physicality is lacking. It's just it's not the same as a regular season game. You know, we see that in the NFL. We see that in spring training. So, you know, the the goal is not to get hurt. You know, uh, yeah. just refine the game. Make yourself as ready as possible for the regular season. But when you when you take this game and you put it in a brand new place in front of a packed house, you know, I wonder if it changes. It probably, I mean, it will arguably have more energy than any preseason game of on the preseason slate, right? I mean, with that yes. and the uh, they do the two like craft hockeyville games that are in the small that are oh like, yeah they're great the, in, yep. So those those are good too because those have good energy, smaller like there'll be like four thousand people there and it's kind of fun. But like, I mean, there'll be good energy because it's it's the first uh nhl games of any form in the southern hemisphere so there'll be some good energy from the australian hockey fans and everything like that um it's but you're right on preseason games it's kind of the weird thing where there's there really is a sliding scale of effort um there's the effort that the kid trying to earn another day in camp gives versus the veteran who was signed for five years or after this and knows he's not going anywhere. It's it's a sliding scale of effort. So preseason games can be kind of weird like that. Um, so it's to add one in Australia. I love it. I think it's a great thing. Um, Australia is too far to try to get something like this done in the regular season. Um, but uh, global series, for example, as I said, uh, stars, hurricanes in finland would would be fun in the future so to keep us on a star's track of things i guess so what was the atmosphere like in traverse city as far as a, a fan perspective was there energy in the building um what's unique about that tournament before we get into the the individuals is is this a tournament that you're now seeing grow as far as nhl fans saying you know with the as social media continues to evolve and grow, as we can search these prospects now and find out statistics more than ever, as analytics are presented to us, I just feel like names that we'd wait and we'd see maybe when we get to the AHL level, like we're hyper-focused on junior hockey players now that are drafted by the organization. So has that drawn more fans to a prospect tournament? Um, I would say it's about the same because I mean, you got to, the location is Northern Michigan. Um, so there's a good amount of people who have made this part of their annual pilgrimage to go watch some hockey. Um, who, so I, I would say the fan base is about the same. Um, it is interesting to see now the tournament itself has gotten smaller. It used to be larger. Um, and it kind of cannibalized itself. The Traverse city tournament used to be the gold standard. There used to be eight teams there. And then other teams saw what happened and wanted to, their own piece of the pie close to home. Now there's one in Buffalo. There's one that the um, the California teams host together. There's uh, one the uh, that Carolina and Nashville and Florida and Tampa do together. So um, people saw the success of the Traverse City one and kind of stole it and made it a little bit more regional. So um, the number of teams is not the same, but um, it is kind of one of the cooler settings about it is there is a distinct home team. 
and because it's in northern Michigan, it's a Detroit big it's a big fan base of Michigan of Red Wings fans in, in northern Michigan. People, some people came up from Detroit. I saw a couple of Dallas fans there too. So if you're listening and you're a Dallas fan, I saw you there. It was kind of cool to see. Um but because of that Detroit fan base, the games that Detroit play always feel there's some good energy. There's some good buzz. So like when Dallas played Detroit, there's a lot of energy, a lot of buzz. When Dallas played Toronto, not as much, a lot of good seats available just because it's not as many people watching two teams, watching a game that doesn't involve the Red Wings. So it's kind of an interesting sliding scale of all of it. Um, but you, I think my favorite part of this is it gives us an idea of where the stars prospects are against their peers. And that's the best part. That's the best tool for me because they're in training camp right now. And it's not really fair to judge. Um, uh, it's, it's not really fair to judge the 18 year old kid in camp against Joe Pavelski or Jason Robertson or something like that. But I, I want to be able to judge him against the, um, against his peers who play for Columbus or Detroit or Toronto in this tournament. It gives us a really good idea of where players are and kind of um, some players you get, gain a pre- more appreciation more. Some you gain a little bit of worry for overall. It's, it's a good, it allows us to kind of adjust the sliders to, to use that term to project, to kind of figure out where guys are going into this season and kind of be a little bit more fair to the analysis of them throughout the year as well. You wrote on EP Ringside this week, Dallas Stars prospect Liam Bixell has chance to be something more this season. Mm-hmm. Go into that yeah. and what you've seen from the uh, Stars defensive prospect. Yeah, so Bixell was a guy I was most intrigued in watching in this tournament, honestly. I've seen a lot of Stan Coven. I've seen a lot of Maverick Bork. Um, but Bixell, to me, is the... Uh, he played over in Sweden, so he's coming over from a different game. Um, he was coming off a broken ankle. A couple... Th- big what if factors right and he has he only played one game um he tweaked his knee in that first game against detroit and they tell them out smartly because it was one of those things where there's no reason to push it on something like that especially after what he did in, in game one there and as i wrote about an ep ringside and did kind of an encompassing piece in addition an additional piece with some some film stuff uh, over at shap shots the next day um it doesn't, and I, I, and Gavin, you know this. Like, I'm a bit of a prospect curmudgeon at times, right? Like, I'm, sure. I'm very much a, I'm very much a, a guy really has to clear certain bars for me to get excited and move the goalposts. I am as well. And so that's keeping that in mind for people listening to this right now. That's how impressed I was with what Bixel did because I, I watched Bixel play against Detroit in that game. And talking to and doing my job as a reporter, talking to people who know the Stars organization in and out, things like that. I moved the goalposts. I moved the goalposts. And for me, in my mind, it was and the Stars and the Stars going into this season, they went into this uh, training camp with the original philosophy of Bixel Wall. Basically, Bixel's playing camp will determine whether he's back in Sweden or he's playing in the AHL. And I believe the goalposts have moved now with Bixel where he his play will he won't be on the NHL opening night roster. I want to be clear on that. I don't think that's ha- I don't think that's going to happen. Now I'm I'm not ruling it out completely, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, his 
play has basically moved the goalposts to are we looking at potentially a Thomas Harley like season where he's going to get that that good chunk in the AHL, that good time to make his mistakes, find some North American game tenets to his game that he has to either adjust or add. And then come the end of the season, like we saw with Thomas Harley, maybe this is the guy, maybe this is the in-house solution they, they need. I mean, Gavin, I don't, I don't know if you've watched him play yet, but I'm going to say yeah. this knowing how the type of hockey you love Gavin Spittle. Mm-hmm. You're gonna love. You're gonna love Liam Bixel. Yeah, I love he what you said about a, the physicality. Yeah, he's he's six five. He's big. He plays with a bit of a mean streak. Um, he is a because of his skating and how because of his skating. And he told me this. He told me how his skating has really improved a lot over the last two years. Because of his skating, he does a good. He doesn't have to take runs at guys, but he's able to kind of almost like it's almost like a like an iceberg coming, like you see it's coming. You can't really do anything about it. Right. And so he's going to be, I I look at kind of when you look at the flaws for the stars defense right now, right? Like they have Miro Heishkin, an all world player, top three defender in the world. After that, they've got a bunch of either or pieces, right? Like you got guys in Nils Lundqvist who is skilled, but not really physical. You've got Essa Lindell and Yanni Hockenpah who are physical, but not really skilled. And I look at Bixel as kind of that solution that can do both. And um, I think long-term we're going to be see him as a big part of the stars defense him with him, Harley and Heishkinen kind of be obviously Heishkinen number one, but Harley and Heishkinen kind of Harley and Bixel kind of being kind of the the second in commands on the defense, if you talk about it with Heishkinen. And he could be that second pairing guy this season, honestly, if the Stars don't find those internal solutions on the NHL roster. If it comes to trade deadline time and the Stars are getting bullied a bit, the games against Vegas, the games against uh, some tougher teams are show some struggles on the defense. I honestly wouldn't be opposed at this point right now to seeing if Ken Bix will be that guy to step in because he'll add some of that physicality. He's got some confidence. And as long as he can, as long as he takes those steps and I saw a big step in Traverse city, as long as he takes those steps, we could be looking at a guy you're like, you know what? He's ready for the NHL right now. And this team will be better for it. And that's something where, the goalpost moved because of the Traverse City tournament for me on Bixel. I know it's That's one great. game. Some will say you can't. I know people will say, hey, you can't react to one game like that. I know I'm a big sample size guy myself, but I also trust my eyes on things. And to me, I'm watching that tournament. Obviously, the best player on the ice was Adam Fantilli. Adam Fantilli, if, if, if you want a player to, if you want like a uh, ESPN Plus team to randomly watch, just because I think they're going to let up a lot of goals and score a lot of goals and be kind of exciting, especially now that Mike Babcock's no longer the coach, yep. like watch Columbus. Adam Fantilli is going to be really good. But looking at that tournament, looking at guys like that, like Bixels was in a big prospect tournament was not Bixels peers. NHL players are Bixels peers. And that's a big step for me in my mind. Okay, that's that's terrific to hear, and I'm really excited to see him in the AHL, and I'm excited mm-hmm. to see him go up against AHL players. And I love what you pointed out in one where Bixel was trying to be goaded into a fight and mm-hmm. turned it down and basically drew some penalties as well. 
um, yeah. due to his physicality and lack of retaliation. So it seems as though not only is his skating improving and his physicality is clearly there and he says he enjoys the physicality, uh, I think the mind is um, quickly developing as well, which I, which I love because some, some players just use that size and that's all they do. It's, it's so I, you know, and they don't think of the other aspects. So it, it, I'm so glad you said that and that you're high on him. Let's get to Logan Stanko yeah. and Maverick Bork and what you saw from them. Yeah. I mean, I, I like a lot of Stankoven's game. Um, I know that uh, with, uh, I kind of, I kind of know that people are, are the hype train is huge on him and everything like that. Um, I, the thing with Stankoven's game, and you can argue whether this is good or bad, but the reason I saw a lot of things in Stankoven's game that are the reason that I don't think he'll be trusted by the coaching staff enough this season, by the NHL coaching staff this season. Um, one of the stories about Wyatt Johnson's season that kind of flies under the radar, Gavin, and we've talked about how Wyatt Johnson played such a smart game and everything like that, but you got to remember Wyatt Johnston earned the coach's trust first by doing the simple things. And then once you earn the coach's trust by doing the simple things, that's when you get the green light to open things up a little bit more, right? Like the, uh, everyone's going to look back at Wyatt Johnson's goal against Seattle that, that closed out that series where it's the, um, the, the finish is great and everything like that, but it's the simple play. It's the simple play of reading off the long bank pass by dad and off the, the perfect route, yep. everything. That's the stuff that that Wyatt Johnston does. And Wyatt Johnston earned the coach's trust from the beginning for that. Um, Logan Stankoven has a bit of issue of doing too much. And I, I think that's I don't I don't want that coached out of him. I because I, I, I believe that's how he's going to be at his most successful in the NHL. He's going to be he's going to be a guy that succeeds in the NHL because he's going to have that alpha male mentality on a line of I'm going to run this line. Things are going to run through me, but it's kind of the weird spot, right? Where to get that opportunity in the NHL at first, you have to prove you can do the other things. And um, I just think with how the stars constructed this roster, how they built the depth combined with how Stankoven tries to do a little bit too much and he didn't get burned for it in the CHL because you weren't playing against the NHL defenders. Um, and he got burned by it in, in Traverse city. I think he'll get burned by it in NHL preseason. I think Stankoven's got a little bit of a, I think he'll have the points in the AHL this year, but I think he'll also have some tough moments he has to learn through. And I'm not saying he won't play in the NHL this year because of injury, mm -hmm. but I think you need to kind of set the railroad tracks to be like, this guy will be at his best if he gets a year to kind of learn and make those mistakes on, on his own in the AHL where they're not costing an NHL team. And then ideally with cameo handful of games, he's ready for it the next year. I think that's kind of a more realistic timeline for him. Yep. Um, and I don't want, and I want him on that timeline, honestly, because I don't want you to rush that timeline because I don't want him to get to the NHL too early and become something he's not, and then lose out that potential of him as a creator. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to rush him into the NHL. So he plays a role he's not used to. And then all of a sudden you lose what could have been if you had just kind of waited a little bit longer with Stankoven. Yeah. I think that's the good thing about the stars roster currently too, is that yeah. you can be patient. 
because the yeah. current and, roster and, has the makings yeah. of a Stanley Cup contender. So that's great because leave them in Texas, have them develop. We saw what happened with Maverick Bork from half the season to the second half of the season. And we once again saw it with Thomas Harley, where once they get the yeah. hang of it, once they see that the rink has shrunk, the physicality has picked up, and they learn the more professional side of things, um, you know, things can develop. The I don't want to say the game gets simpler, but, uh, you know, you learn a lot over a course of a season, and you have those veterans taking you to the side and say, this is how it's done. Like guys like our friend Curtis McKenzie. So, uh, yeah, I think yeah. I think some seasoning in Texas, especially with the Texas organization, is great. And you mentioned Bork too, just to kind of piggyback on top of that. Like Bork, I think is that I think I think Bork is ready for the NHL. Honestly, I think his game, as is, will work in the NHL. Um, his that's not even an issue. Just his path is, I think he needs to play with better players to to really have success and. Just right now, just as since contracts make jobs, I, I wrote this kind of in the in a Friday post this morning over at Chef Shots. Like, you got to remember, training camp is not wide open. Training camp is not like, oh, we're going to take the best players. No, contracts make jobs, and Bork, there's not really a job open for him. And um, I think if the Stars were a bad team, he'd be in the NHL right now. Um, but I think they're willing to slow down his trajectory to kind of move goalposts once again on timing um will uh the one thing i would have liked to see from bork just a quick note on traverse city is um i'd like to see him there's times where i'd like to see a guy go out and take the puck and say i'm the guy right yep like almost kind of like if i could almost kind of combine a little bit of what stankoven was doing too much and put a little bit of it into bork I think I'd have it would be a really nice combination because there's times where there's times where Bork Bork didn't adjust well in the prospect tournament to not playing with guys who didn't finish his visions. And so there's times where I think I thought he could have done more to basically take control of the shift with a little more selfishness to force others to kind of climb up climb aboard if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it it totally does. It totally does, and we'll see how they perform in training camp. All right, so one of the things we want to do these final weeks of Spits and Suds off-season edition is focus on some players and give our expectations. And you mentioned Wyatt Johnston earlier, and I want to focus on that line. The Johnson, Dadonoff, or Dadonoff, whichever you'd like to call him today, and Jamie Benn. And because that, to me, was the key line for the Dallas Stars. We all know about the first line, and it was awesome. I mean, best line in the NHL, you know, by many. But at the same time, I just felt as though we always talk on spits and suds about depth scoring. And I felt as though that second slash third line of those three really just provided some punch on the ice. And I don't want to say revive Jamie Ben's career, but it was an up year for Jamie Ben, which is great to see. Um, so Wyatt Johnston. You know, we talk about sophomore slumps and things like that. You know, he's still young, still developing. What are your expectations for him this year as he enters his second official season in the NHL? Yeah, of this line, he's actually the hardest to project because there's, um, he's only got 82 games played in his career, right? Or 82 playoff games plus how many playoff games did he 
82 regular season games. So he's like 101 career games as we've seen him as a pro. If yeah. you the uh, the uh, the 19 playoff games plus the 82 regular season games, and I I look at his game and. I know people will we'll talk about points and all this. He had 24 goals, 17 assists, 41 points. Um, he, I think he's going to have a, I think overall game is a, I think we can, I think we're going to see some similar stuff with Johnston. I think he's going to be a pretty reliable player in all three zones. You can trust him, whether it's even as a younger guy, you can trust him in the defensive zone and the neutral zone. And, uh, and probably is going to, this, this year we'll find out if he's going to, uh, we'll find out some of the other things that maybe he learned from last year. Like his, uh, the stars, Gavin are normally a very good face-off team, right? Yes. Very um, good. Very, very. And, and, but, uh, but if there was a weakness on the faceoff dot, it was actually Johnston last year. Was at one winning his draws at forty three percent last year. And so, um, no, I'm not blaming a nineteen year old for just. There's a big. There's one of the reasons the stars are so savvy on the faceoff dot is they have a ton of experienced guys there too. And with experience, you figure things out. So I'm interested to see if he gets better in the faceoff area. When it comes to scoring. Um, he had the 24 goals last year and I, I don't know if uh, I kind of get a little bit concerned about the 24 goals setting a bar that people are going to use that he must reach every year. I don't know if Wyatt Johnston is a 25 goal scorer. Um, he had about a 15% he shot at, he had a 15% shooting rate last year. Um, He's probably the tip. He's like, for example, we'll talk about Jamie Bennett in a second, but like, I think why Johnson's probably going to be a guy that for career is probably going to be closer to a 12 to 13% shooting rate. Now that's not a huge drop, but that's still, you're going to have some years that are better than others. And I think kind of 25 goals can always be the target, but I think the realistic ideology with, 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 with Johnson's always going to be 20 goal guy and, ideally adds a little bit more to those assist totals. The 17 assists last year, can he be a 2020 guy this year? That would kind of be my, my hope for Wyatt Johnston. If he's a 2020 guy offensively, 20 goals, 20 assists, it's, it's great. Um, and that, that would kind of be, be my hope and expectation for Johnston. Cause I think the rest of his game is there. It's kind of, can he continue to take that offensive burst and particularly in, in the helper category that really that's where the space for growth is. Um, I like, we'll go through his line. You want to, you want to do Dadanov or Ben next? Which yeah, let's do, do next, let's do Dadanov. 34 yeah, years yeah. old now re-signs with Dallas. I thought it was a good deal for him. Good deal for the organization. Mm-hmm. Excited to have him back. I think of the NHL trades, it was kind of a under the radar um, but worked out really well for Dallas. We gave a lot of props to Jim Nill uh, for that trade uh, to replace a Dennis Gurionov with a more productive player. And I'm fascinated because we talked like, why does he move from so many, you know, city to city to city? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, seems like a great teammate. You know, everyone loves him. Great. You know, but the question is, is 
you know, I, I was looking at his point totals, and they're pretty consistent, Sean. But what I do like is that he has thrived under the Pete DeBoer system, and that's why I'm so glad he re-signed, not just for the organization, but for the player. I think it just clicked in. I'm better if I'm in a Pete DeBoer system. What do you think? Yeah, he's a. I talked about Johnston with a, maybe a bit of a goal regression, not in a bad way, just the reality of it. But um, I look at Dadanov on the flip side, and um, so Dadanov scored in the regular season last year, right? He had, um, um, where was it? In, between Dallas and Montreal, he only had seven goals in the regular season, right? Then he went and scored four in the playoffs, but correct, um, thirty three points and. And and I like to use shooting percentage a lot. And I know people are gonna say I'm being nerdy on this, but it's I think it's a fair number. It's a fair thing to talk about. Um, Dadanov for his career, well, not for his career, last year in the com- combined between Montreal and Dallas, he only scored on six point four percent of his shots. Right, that's six point four percent. But for his career, he's had a. I'm gonna go year by year for his career: thirteen point three percent, nine point five. 14.9, He's never had that poor of a finishing season in his career. I don't think, especially based off what I saw in the playoffs, I don't think last season is a fair reflection of Dadanov as a finisher. I think it may be a pretty fair reflection of him as a playmaker. I think the point totals are, the assist totals are probably where we expect them to be. Um, but I would expect him to flirt with 20 goals at least this year. I would expect his um, – he had the combined seven goals in 73 games last year. I think we should expect Dadanov to be around 20, 22 goals this season. I think that's a fair expectation for his body of work for his career and how he'll look once again playing for Pete DeBoer and – kind of played in that system. So he's a guy who I think is a sneaky good bet to like you talk about who's going to score, where they're going to be and everything like that. To me, he's a sneaky good bet where, and remember this conversation, Gavin, because like, I'm going to be, I'm going to want to, I'm going to want to beat my chest out on this. If uh, on in, in January, he's going to be at like 16 goals or whatever. And clearly clear 20 goals. People are going to be like, Oh man, look at this guy for kind of a comeback yeah. player of the year or whatever. Like, I think there's a real strong chance for that. I don't know if he'll flirt with 30 goals like he did um, during the 2018-19 season of Florida, but uh, I think he's going to, I think people who haven't watched him a lot and maybe haven't noticed, I think, I think there's, I think we're going to see another player clear the 20 goal mark this year in, in dad and off here. You know, one of the, one of the things I really liked about him, Sean, that, I think people like the little scoring punch he provided, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I loved his work along the boards. I mean, he showed yeah. some, oh, uh, you know, yeah. some the the fighting for the puck and winning the puck, but also the creativity so close to the boards uh, was impressive. And his tra- and his his transition game is great. Like the way he moves the puck, his vision that's uh, that's great. Like he's um, the way he the his, his I love his vision coming through the neutral zone. I think he does a great job of opening things up for teammates, understanding their routes, understanding where they're going. Um, to me, he's uh, he's great for this system, and it's why he fits in the Pete DeBoer system. It's actually interesting. and This, this ties in really well, because I think kind of the space where we see him pick up and, and kind of get to that 20-goal mark this year is where I think we, on the flip side, 
I do believe there will be a bit of a scoring regression for Jamie Ben. Um, I don't think Jamie Ben's a 78 point player anymore. It was a, it was a really good story. The Benessance is great. I think those parts of his game are still going to be there, but we also have to account for it's, I don't think it's realistic to try to, ex- to expect Jamie Ben to score more than 30 goals this coming season. Um, his ice time is going to stars need to be continue to be smart about his ice time. Um, I really like him playing closer to 1530 a game. Is that like 1547 last year? I would actually even try to conserve his ice time a little bit more kind of the in-game, um, uh, in-game management of, of, of minutes that allowed Jamie Ben to be at his best. Um, I think that, but I think just realistic expectations it's not a 33 goal, 78 point season. It's maybe closer to 25 goals, which is still great. It would be, yep. I mean, it would be if, if, if before Jamie Ben had 33 goals this year, Gavin, if I had told you he'd have 25 goals in his 34 season, you'd be thrilled because like his 30, 31, 32 year old seasons, Jamie Ben really wasn't there offensively. Like, so this is, I'm talking about a regression to, I'm talking about a regression in his offensive game slightly, but still above what kind of had defined him the years before that. So, um, and I think Dadanov and Ben and his wife, they're great to be on a line. The kind of just some of the goals Ben had will probably go to Dadanov and it'll, it'll probably all even things out. And that line will still be that, that line will still be an asset this season for the stars. Well, let me ask you this then will the game yeah. three, being ejected conference finals against Vegas. Will that have any carryover in that as a guy who's been in the room? I don't think it'll have carryover with the room at all as far as the players, but will how much will it be brought up by the media? How much will fans still be emotional about it? Those are things that, you know, I'm wondering and how Jamie Ben handles it and, you know, or does it just go away in the offseason? Because it Jamie's was pretty, it was pretty it. emotional. But, 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 yeah. but let's be honest, Jamie's not going to handle it. Well, we that's what I was trying to get to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like we saw how Jamie handled it in the series itself. It was the he almost he clearly didn't take it seriously. I mean, not to, didn't take it. It's not that he didn't take it seriously. Let me rephrase that. He did not take the public perception seriously. The fact that he um, was so dis- diminishing of it and showed no remorse whatsoever, like. I mean, he he lost some. I guarantee you, Jamie Ben lost some ardent supporters during that with, with what happened there. Um, he didn't lose the room. Anyone who and I, I know that Dallas room better than most people who haven't. I mean, I know that Dallas room better than most people who haven't played for the Stars. And that room will still follow Jamie Ben to the end of the earth, no matter where he leads them. And it's why him taking a dumb penalty and everything like that led them out of the playoffs. Um, So it's not going to impact him in the room. It's not going to impact how his teammates follow him. Um, But it is always going to be a narrative that will come up, that will come up with, with fans. It's going to be a narrative that people will talk about and media people will talk about. And it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's frustrating because Here's the thing, like that one moment where he basically snapped, just like it overshadows so much good from last season. Like he had 78 points, uh, set a new career high for plus minus. I know not the best stat, but still a new career high. 
Uh, his penalty minutes were the second lowest they'd been in his entire career. Um, he had, he was second most goals he's ever had on the power play. Um, had a, uh, even with the, uh, even with the even with the limited even with the limited ice time still had still like close to 100 hits and everything like that so many good things about the Jamie Ben story they got lost by that and um it's always going to hang there that's just how memories work until like how do you how do you replace the memory of blowing it for your team on home ice in the western conference final you have to win the western conference final now like unless Jamie, until Jamie Ben wins the Western Conference right. final, or enough years pass by, it's that that storyline is not going to go away. I don't He's, think Jamie's going to think about it. I don't think. I really yeah. don't. I think. He, I think he has in a good way, and I'm saying this in a good way. He's a bit of goldfish brain about it, where it's kind of it ended and it happened. But um, fans have longer memories because that's 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 what makes people fans. That's fan is short for fanatic. It's well, the reason I, that we right. love sports. And I don't. I don't think he will do this, but I think he should be proactive on it. I think he should have been more proactive at the time. But if it is brought up in training camp, I feel like he should give, you know, let's just say he came out and said, I thought about it all off season and it crushed me that I put my team in that situation. You know, I need to be better. And so to the fans, I say, I'm going to give it my all this year. Appreciate you guys sticking with me. Any, any of those words? I think are rallying cries for the stars fan base. But I yeah. mean, and this is just me. I'm saying it from an outside perspective and I like Jamie Ben. However, you know, when I watch these snarky remarks after each game and then I see what happened in game three, I'm like, you know, I'm not one of those guys that's going to jump off the Jamie Ben bandwagon, but I, I, you know, I just want more out of my captain. You know, it makes I, it hard to root. Yes, exactly. It makes it- he makes it hard to root for him when things aren't going well. Right. And that's the thing. That's the thing where it's like um, Joe Pavelski, uh, even Jason Robertson has good elements of this, where even when things aren't going well, there's some responsibility slash anger about it. Right. Where it's like you could ask Joe Pavelski after a tough game about things and everything, and there can be some anger and frustration, but he, it's channeled the right way. It's not, it doesn't come off as malaise. And that's something that, um, that Ben struggles to not convey. Yeah. He struggles to, um, like I remember, um, and one thing that will always give Jamie Ben the benefit of the doubt. And cause I, I truly believe that his, his public and private persona are very different. Um, we saw it on the video, um, after they lost in the final in the bubble and how he was the last guy in the room still in his gear and, and everything like that. And, um, but it's, he's, he's a perfect example. And I don't want, it's funny. I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth on this, right? Like I don't want players to be cliche. I want players to be interesting and to speak their mind and do it and everything like that. But some guys do need the media training to, reach the bare minimum of the bar. And I just don't think Jamie Ben ever really embraced what that meant. Right. Um, like he's not, he doesn't give cliche answers. He gives practically no answers at all. And that's just the reality of it. And it's something that I think the stars will have to keep in mind someday 
whenever Ben is, whenever Ben's done with the organization, whenever there is a, a new captain, I think part of the Jamie Ben experience will be making sure whoever that next leading voice is, the guy wearing the seat, making sure he has the tools or the understanding to check that box because it embarrassed the organization. It embarrassed the organization. It was the laughing stock of the hockey world. And it's sad because it took away from what was a really great yeah. otherwise season for Ben last year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the one thing I will say is that, you know, during this season, he did a really good job of staying out of the box. Oh, yeah, he so, did. He, did. Know, he, he really did. did a really good job of staying out of the box. It was just a, a one-time thing, but wow, it was, it was so blatant. So let's hope for a big, uh, you know, swing in, uh, you know, I mean, it would be terrific if he came out and was proactive, but at the same time, you know, I'm really excited about that line. Uh, I'm looking to see if that cohesion stays together. And next week, we'll concentrate on three other players. If you were yep. listening to Spits and Suds, and by the way, that's why you should listen to Spits and Suds because we're going to give you that inside knowledge. Sean's going to drop those knowledge bombs, uh, you know, about what it's like being inside the Stars locker room and his perspective. And we're not going to candy coat things. And that's the reality. So, we were talking about Mike Babcock last week and what happened regarding spit and chicklets where they came out and talked about Babcock looking at players' phones regarding pictures and the NHLPA investigated and Mike Babcock stepped away from the Columbus Blue Jackets. So it was a really interesting story, Sean. And uh, one of the things is, is it brought the NHL into the mainstream where a lot of talk shows were talking about it that weren't necessarily focused on hockey became because it became a sports and uh, a personal privacy issue. One thing that we had mentioned, you know, on the show, I did want to point out that Pascal Vincent was named the coach and he was, can I, can I, can I, can I give you some credit real quick? Can I give you some credit real quick? Sure. I I remember seeing either it was a post or a blog post, I think on the fans website, Four or five years ago, oh when he was still the, he was still the coach in Manitoba, and Gavin Spittle was talking about how Pascal Vincent is the guy who needs to be the next NHL head coach, and the Stars should hire him. So, my, sir, I want you to t- quickly take a bow <laughs> because this is something where, yes, you know, I do my homework. I can't this. believe, you, wow. You were ahead of the game on this for yeah, a while. So take you. take your bow take your bow right now. <laughs> Give yourself the credit right now, man. You know, this was a great day in the Spittle household. Um, <laughs> you know what? Whether it works out or not, he deserves the opportunity. I hate that it's under oh, these he, circumstances. He, he, he's a good he's he's a good coach. Yeah, he's a good coach. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, his Quebec uh, major junior hockey league success and what he did with the Manitoba Moose and ten years in the Winnipeg organization, working with guys like Shifley and other players and stuff and the development of that Winnipeg system, which if you watch the Winnipeg system was really, really good as far as players coming through and then, you know, having to move to uh, Columbus and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you, like you said, uh, Columbus is going to be an interesting team to watch. Uh, certainly mm-hmm. going to be an exciting team to watch, but uh, I was really happy for Pascal because um, I know he was kind of on the radar, but I, I don't think he really got the, the true look. And so, you know, I'm excited. One thing that I have read about that I do know about this coach is that the blue jacks are blue jackets are already saying this experience has brought us closer together, you know, and I think the familiarity of Vincent already being with the club 
is going to settle things down quicker rather than bringing someone in from the outside. Patrick Line was thrilled about it. Line obviously knows him from his time in Winnipeg. Too. Yeah. So Line was um, Line was like thrilled about it outwardly. Um, my big takeaway on this, Gavin, and I think it's the story that's important, and I think it's been touched on a little bit now, but I I want to kind of echo it because it's something that is uh, really important to me on this. And I wrote about this today um, in a piece over at BP Ringside, kind of touching on the whole Columbus situation. To me, this is a a big opening statement, first impression, if you will, for um, new NHLPA executive director, Marty Walsh. Um, Marty Walsh, who takes over for Don, took over for Donald Fair this past spring. And the old NHLPA had a bit of a, there was mistrust from players to the PA. There was definitely some issues there with, with past leadership. Marty Walsh, um, now, I know a lot of people are going to give, and, and Paul Bissonnette and Bit Chicklets deserves credit for this coming to light, but we have to remember the reason that Mike Babcock has now resigned, and that's the word you want to use, but that's the word that the Blue Jackets use, sure. but really it's fired, fired slash forced out, whatever yep. you want to say, right? Um, I'm sure they... It's how it's however they figured out a settlement, right? Like I'm sure I'm sure Babcock got the word resigned in there, so the Blue Jacks didn't have to pay him as much. I don't know the exact ins and outs, but there's some legal negotiation on that part. Um, but Marty Walsh and his his dep his 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 second in command Ron Hainsey, former player, um, went to Columbus and investigated this fully. They went and did their due diligence, and they found enough evidence that forced the Blue Jackets to make this change. And I don't think that happens under the prior PA leadership. And to me, this is such an important opening statement, first impression from Marty Walsh, that as the PA, head of the PA, he's going to actually fight for players. He's going to take things like this seriously. And that hopefully, in the future, to me, this hopefully sends a message that the PA can actually be the resource it's supposed to be for players. They don't have to text Paul Bissonnette when something's bothering them. They can do something like this discreetly. The PA will have their back. And I think, I think not enough has been made about what Marty Walsh did because he took, he took over for a guy who was basically bullied by Gary Batman for a long time. And I think Marty Walsh proved that he's not going to. And, uh, that's important here. Yeah, very important. PA, That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. The PA being stronger means the game is stronger, and um, it's gonna. I, I think that's that's a really big thing on this. Um, that uh, has been said, but I think it needs to be echoed, and people need to remember even more so too. Just with 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 how this all played out. Yeah, yeah. It's. It was certainly uh, fascinating, and uh, I think the radar is going to be up now. And uh, I think, you know, the radar is up for coaches as well. Is they're going to, you know, they obviously see it in the news. And, you know, just like any boss is going to say, how can I be better toward my employees? And what are the things I can and can't do? And I I think that's going to be a fascinating aspect as well. How does it change other coaches' relationships uh, with players? We'll see. We'll see. But, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely... Definitely in the news. Man, you made my day with that, finding that damn article. <laughs> hey, you just, 2018. Hey, I, 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 uh, A, I have a, 
A, I do my homework. Yeah, you do. B, I have a steel trap for random shit. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, there's 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 random things in my head that uh, that uh, I hadn't <laughs> thought about that for years, and then when he got hired, I remembered something about that. So you deserve uh, you deserve the credit for that. Oh, uh, let's hope so. he doesn't get fired. <laughs> but uh, we we will uh, we will see. Hey, give a uh, you know great plug for some of the things that uh, you're doing. You got a you got a Substack. Uh, let's yep. talk about that and uh, how people yeah. can be involved as far as getting, you know, this inside information, the Traverse City uh, Prospect Tournament and the things that you provide as far as like kind of insight, not just, you know, you, you you certainly cover the Detroit Red Wings real well, but you really have, you know, just your stars analytics and what you offer the stars fans are pretty cool. Yeah. And I would, so I would, I would say, obviously I, I, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a hired gun at various places right now, right? Like that's, and I actually like it that way. It allows Damn me good to do, gun, buddy. To, yep. It allows me to do projects like this. It allows, it allows me to kind of, uh, uh, keep myself open to do many things. But, but if the one thing I would say is, um, for, to the, my kind of plea or whatever to, you want to call it to the stars fan that, especially the people who listen to this podcast, um, it's kind of the, the space where I get the the freedom to be myself the most and really track things down that interest me is really in the Substack space um, with uh, with with Shap Shots. It's called. Obviously, uh, we've talked about it quite a bit on this show. If you've listened to the show, you've heard us talk about it. And that's the space where we've got built in every Thursday. We've got some uh, stars film room. We'll have other stars coverage as well throughout the season and. Uh, seven bucks a month i know uh i don't want to belittle seven dollars a month because i know that's I, I always laugh sometimes gavin when people will be like oh it's less than a cup of coffee that's fine but like in today's day and age like you're getting everyone asking to you're, you're not asking people aren't asking you to give up one cup of coffee they're asking you to give up like 15 cups of coffee a month so yeah i realize that i realize that when i'm asking for seven dollars a month for shab shots I'm not just competing for your cup of coffee. I'm competing with it's part of your entertainment budget. And so I put it this way to the stars fans who are listening. Stars hockey is your entertainment. It's something that you do to find enjoyment in life and enjoy the game. And if you have it in your budget and you have it in the space and you want to enjoy the game a little bit more, be a little bit more knowledgeable and have some fun in the process consider subscribing to the Substack, shapshotshockey.com and uh it's uh and and, and it's and I make it worth your while promise you that yeah and, you do uh, and it's uh and it's and we have some fun and that's and that's the biggest thing in all of it um so it also uh the by being the hired gun too Gavin it allows me to do more things like this it allows yeah. us to work on some more shows like this it allows me the freedom to do things with D magazine so the more uh Honestly, I know it might be only supporting one thing I do in theory. Like, hey, you go and subscribe over there. Like, it's only one thing, but it allows me to to prioritize the things that uh, that I, that I know readers love. So, um, thanks for the pl- thanks for giving me the time for the plug. Of course, man. That. Of course, <laughs> I did forget we did get a listener question, and it's from our yeah. Spits and Suds fan, Chris Barnard. I always appreciate yeah. you, Chris. How does the landscape look for our goaltending this season? Two PTO invites. Likely to fill out ECHL depth chart after Maria and Poirier. Wedgwood's health needs to hold up. Could you see Poirier leapfrogging Matt Murray as the incumbent backup? Any info info on Meyerhoff, how he's doing? Meyerhoff was a fifth-round pick in 2022. 
for the Dallas Stars. Yeah. I just want to make sure I have the whole. Uh, and by the way, while Sean's looking yeah. things up, I want to say that I I understand that Matt Murray is not among like prospects and everything like that. I thought he helped his situation last year. I thought he played really well in the AHL, yep. and I thought he showed well when he came up. You know, uh, spelling Wedgewood in the NHL. So uh, I thought he helped his stock. Um, we'll see yeah. what happens this season. I know he's not on that prospect list, so to speak. Um, you know, but he's fought his way, good goaltender at UMass, and fought his way up all the way to the NHL. So he really is a good story. Yeah, he's a good story, and I think he'll play NHL games this year. I think on the on the backup situation, um, and we've talked about this on this show before. On the backup situation, I'm. I don't, I'm not, I'm worried about Scott Wedgwood staying healthy all year. Honestly, that's yep. one thing I get worried about. And I think Matt Murray is a, is an okay backup. He's not, he wouldn't be my first choice for a backup. I don't think he's an elite backup, but I think he's a good 4A goalie. I think, and I think right now Matt Murray is a 4A goalie. Um, And I don't want a 4A goalie playing more than four to five games for my team. But if he needs to play four to five games, I'm fine with that. Um, I think, I look at Remy Poirier as much higher ceiling, but I don't think he's there yet. Um, Remy Poirier is has potential, I believe, to be that one to be that kind of. I described him after watching him in Traverse City a little bit more and looking back at some film on him too. Like Remy Poirier feels to me like his ceiling, and this is his ceiling. I don't think he's a number one, but he could be an Anton Hudobin type goalie, a guy who is. Um, brings a lot of energy is loved in the room and then we'll have those random like every fourth or fifth start goes all world like Kudobin would right like I think that's kind of like what Poirier could be I don't think he's there right now but I think maybe two three years from now maybe two years from now even Poirier could be the backup the perfect backup for Jake Ottinger who wants to be a workhorse and so I think he could be and I think he's there I think he could be there right now um the the rest of it is it's like you kind of look at the organizational depth this season, right? Um, you're gonna have Poirier and Murray are gonna share the net in Texas, and then you're gonna have the other guys depending on health and everything's like that, like Brian Thompson. Um, you're gonna have uh, Christopher Gibson. Those player those guys are probably gonna be more of a more of an Idaho type solution for players if, if they stay in the stars organization this season um it's uh like the stars have a lot of like stars goaltending it's led by the tip of the spear and Jake Ottinger's great top top five goalie yep. in the world in my opinion um but it's still the I would still be worried if you didn't have I like Wedgwood but I like what some other teams did where they went and got like his teams. Now Gavin, they use like most teams are going to use three to four goalies this season. Most teams don't have an Ottinger. Most teams don't have a Vasilevsky. I would have liked to see the stars try to find, um, to sign like an Alex Lyon who ended up signing in Detroit, a guy like that who, um, is happy to be the guy who can both push, from the AHL and also knows he can play NHL games if you need it. And it's kind of, it's, it's one of those things where like you worry about, it's just like goaltenders are like quarterbacks, Gavin, right? You worry about them 
you probably wor worry more about them than you ever should when things are going well. Sure. But, but then when things go poorly, all of a sudden you're like, oh, damn, we didn't worry enough. So, yeah. no, you're, you're absolutely right. So, uh, thank you, Chris, for the uh, question. And thanks to all of you for listening to another edition of Spits and Suds as we are just a couple of weeks away, folks, and uh, excited mm -hmm. to uh, bring you the latest from uh, training camp as we get ready. Uh, for the start of the NHL season. It's going to be good. So, you know what, Sean? I'm going to make the call for you. I know your wife will as well. Tape the game. Watch the game in Australia tomorrow. Take the night off. You deserve it, my friend. Sounds good. <laughs> for Sean Shapiro, right. I'm Gavin Spittle. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please tell your friends that there is a local hockey show right here in DFW that's working in the offseason. It's called Spits and Suds right here on 105.3 The Fan. Have a great day, everyone.